But turn with me to Galatians. We're going to be wrapping up a, about an eight or nine week series on um, the fruits of the Spirit. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you, and I'm going to put it up on the screen for you too. As you just saw Luke, if you don't have your notes, we've got notes up here for you too. Miss Pam. Can I tell you, this is a lifesaver. She saved a life in McDonald's this week, did CPR, resuscitated a person. Was in the newspaper. If you're going to be at fast food restaurants, you need Miss Pam behind you. I'm telling you, a miracle. That man, that man is alive because Miss Pam did compressions on his chest, kept that man alive. How many of you know the Lord's done that for you? What we deserve, we are not getting. I think he's done a few chest compressions on me. Keep my heart going. All right, Galatians chapter 5. We've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live an incredible life. And if we looked at Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, we'd see that Paul is doing a tremendous job of contrasting the Christians who live in the fruit of the Spirit with the non-believers who live by the Spirit or the flesh of the Spirit. Self-control is what we're going to dive into today. This first part describes people that are out of control. And the last aspect of this fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We're going to be able to contrast the difference between the learned, who has a learned self-control and a self-discipline. The people who have never been able to get their act together and their life under control. I think this is such a great message for you ball players. Self-control because the Lord has, and you know, as I was taking a shower and preparing this morning, I started thinking about the talent that the Lord has blessed these boys with. And how that has to be, that has to get under their own control and under the control of the team. And it has to all form under this structure in order to be productive. But I want you to know, just as they sit there with talent and with a future ahead of them, so do you. You sit there with a talent that God has given you that needs to get under the control of the Lord so that he can release his power upon you. We are so, uh, I, if you don't know basketball team, I'm a graduate of Tennessee Tech. My wife is, my parents are. We're family Tennessee Tech supporters. And I've been in that gym ever since they built Hooper Eblen, back with Tom Deaton. And I'm so thankful for you guys. And I want you to know when Coach Sutton brought this team, you guys went on a 10 or 11 game winning streak. So I'd encourage y'all keep coming to Church on the Hill. <laughs> Not kidding. Coach, Coach Payne can uh, attest to that. But one thing I'm praying for you guys to have a great year for you to reach your potential, for you to exceed your potential, but also that you would play better than your coach can play golf. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, I got the microphone, Coach Steve, so it's, it's going to be okay. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Let's dive in here. People's desires make them give way to immoral ways, filthy thoughts, and shameful deeds. You know what I want to pray? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, let your word go in deep to us today, Lord. Let us, let us awaken ourselves to maybe the, the distractions that we have in this world. And Lord, let us lay those aside. And Lord, I just ask that your word would come to life in us. That we would listen, that we would hear your word, and that it would speak directly to us. And that, Lord, we would receive according to your word. Holy Spirit, teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
People's desire make them give in to immoral ways, filthy thoughts, shameful deeds. They worship idols, practice witchcraft, hate others, and are hard to get along with. People become jealous, angry, and selfish. They, are, they not only argue and cause trouble, but they are envious. Verse 21, they get drunk, carry on wild parties, do other evil things as well. I told you before, and I'm telling you again, no one who does these things will share in the blessings of God's kingdom. Wake up. That was a key verse. Are we, do we desire the blessings of God's kingdom? No one who does these things will share in them. God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful. Verse 23, gentle and self-controlled. There's no law against behaving in any of these ways. I like the way that's put. There's nothing wrong with behaving that way. It's going to be good. And because, because we belong to Jesus Christ, to Christ Jesus, we have killed our selfish feelings and desires. God's Spirit has given us life, so we should follow the Spirit. But don't be conceited or make others jealous by claiming to be better than they are. John Maxwell's book called Developing the Leader Within You, he says this. He says, the first victory, the first victory that successful people achieve, ever achieve or win, is the victory against themselves. Is the victory over themselves. The moment we begin to have victory over our flesh and our own desires, the moment we become self-controlled, then all of a sudden we can be victorious over other things in our life. The Greek word for self-control, if you look in your notes, the Greek word for self-control means two things. It means to get a hold on or to get a grip on. It literally means to get your hands on something until you are in control of it. Today we're going to talk about getting our hands on and controlling ourselves. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, a man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Now, the people, when this scripture was written, they completely understood what this meant. Cities, cities' safety was based on the walls that they had. They were safe only because of their walls. And the proverb writer says that the moment that we lose self-control and self-discipline... It's like a city without a wall of protection. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that can harm relationships if they're uncontrolled. If you look at your notes, what are some of those things? Anything uncontrolled can harm your relationships. Anger, lust, spending, drinking, ambition. This is just a few if out of control, these things will ruin you. H.B. London said this. He said, what we do upon some great occasion will probably depend upon what we already are. And what we are will be the result of previous years of self-discipline. What does that mean? I want to give you five simple starters of how to live a self-controlled life. A self-controlled, disciplined life. Before, before we do, I've got a, a short video that I want you to watch. Can you guys play the video? I got a, got a big butt. It's gigantic, if I'm going to be blunt about it. 
And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But i got to tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading his word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden, a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are, ugly, ugly butts. Okay, and there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. That's not my gift. That's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend. But, 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 but. Here a butt, there a butt. Everywhere a butt butt. Okay? And, and, and the most overused butt of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of butts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it, and we share it, and we teach it, and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the butt. Okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay? It's time to metaphorically speaking, snap into a Slim Jim. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. Amen. I've got a big butt. We got things in our way, don't we? Keep us from controlling ourselves. A lot of, lot of reasons. Now let's dive in here. The starters of self-discipline. You guys are going to love me at the end of this, I hope. The starters of self-discipline. Number one, start with yourself. Start with yourself. Jack Parr said this. He said, looking back, my life seems to be one long obstacle course with me as the chief obstacle. That's a little disgusting, isn't it? We'd rather start with somebody else, wouldn't we? 
When you say, I know somebody that needs to hear this message, I bet you can think of somebody real quick. I'm not saying don't start with your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife or your neighbor or your dad or your mom or your boss. Start with yourself. D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of the last century, said this. See if I have this up there. Yeah. Of all people you come in contact with, who gives you the most trouble? D.L. Moody said, I have the most trouble with myself. Several, several years ago, I saw a, uh, a sign over an office door, and I wrote it down. And it said, if you could kick the person responsible for most of your troubles, I wouldn't be able to sit down for weeks. Start with yourself. Start with yourself. Number two, starters of self-discipline. Start early. The first lesson that ought to be learned is so many times the last, the one, the last one that we learn. In fact, the earlier the better. I consider self-discipline to be the most important part of a person's character. It will give them success and help them reach their highest potential that they can possibly reach. So I want to encourage you to start early. Have you ever heard the expression, pay now or pay later? Kids, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Someone is paying for it. Someone is paying for it. If you pay on the front end and work hard, which may mean your homework, your chores, your marriage, your relationship with God, then you know what? You can play on the back end. You can really enjoy life. Or you can play on the front end. Some people, it's just the way that it works, and there's nothing wrong with it. Whether you play on the front end or the back end, there will be time when you have to pay. When you pay on the front, when you play on the front end, you will pay someday in your life. You may wake up and say, my goodness, I'm not the father I wanted to be. My kids aren't what I wanted them to be. Uh-oh, something is asking for payment from me. Another little tip, if you pay later, the price is always greater. This is one thing that I would say to those that are young. If you learn self-discipline early, it's amazing the dividends that will pay in life. You know, if you just take the, the simple thing of compound interest, and if you can start when you're a young person, start to save and add to that and add to that, there is a law that will kick in, and that will start to grow. You can't stop it. The only way you can stop it is if you start taking away from it. Same thing, young people, college students, High school students, young marrieds, middle-aged, older, we've got to start. Now is a great starting place. Start early. Number three, one of my favorite expressions is start small. Do you remember from the movie The Patriot when the dad was teaching his son how to shoot? And he used the expression, aim small, miss small. What a great expression. Uh, Pete had a, a baseball uh, player from Belmont tell him the same thing as he throws, my son, when he throws, to aim small so that when you aim small, your misses are much smaller. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? When your target is small, when you miss, you don't miss that, that much. Start 
small. What do I mean? I mean, if you're, when you're, when you're going to be, what you are going to be tomorrow, you are becoming today. Do you know that you can't become today? You're, the only thing that you can become today is what you've been working on yesterday. You become what you work on. You become what was in your past. It's essential to begin developing a self-discipline in a small way today in order to be disciplined in a big way tomorrow. You know, so many times we look at life and we want to start big. Don't do that. There's an old joke. Have you ever heard this? How do you eat eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. How do you tackle the big issues of life? Start small. Do what you can do today. How do you become a great spiritual giant? Or how do you become a great ball player? Or how do you become a great executive? Start small today. How do you become a great student? You don't just wake up and have all knowledge. You've got to start small. You've got to start studying. You've got to start reading. Start spending a little time with the Lord. Not three hours. Start with five minutes. How do you build a great marriage? You don't by coming upon great discoveries the first year you're married. My goodness, it's all you can do to stay married the first year you're married. Young people, listen up. But you do the small things, and you don't despise them, and you do them well. And you pay the price. And you make those building blocks until someday you've got to tackle the big things. But start small. Don't try to do everything. Just try to do some things exceedingly well. Number four, start strategically. I you to look at this quote. Organizing is what you do before you do something so that when you do it, it's not all mixed up. Christopher Robin. So many times we try to organize in the middle of the problem. No, organization comes before you get into the problem. Look at the things that you need to get control over. And I'm assuming that all of us have things we need to get control over, at least one area in your life. You know, you might could write down 20 things, but I want to encourage you, start taking care of one You can't tackle them all and knock them all out in one day. So I would encourage you, even on your notes, if you have a place or not, write down three areas that maybe you need to get control over. If you can only come up with one, that's fine. If you can't come up with any, ask your spouse. Or players, ask the player next to you. I guarantee you they know your quirks and your qualms. I'm sure you youth know, know what other people can work on. We're great at telling other people what they need to work on, aren't we? I know, you, I, know that, I know that's where we are. And in those areas where we're weak, let me ask you, which one hurts the most? Well, it's the one that's defeating you the most, that keeps you from living a triumphant life. Once you decide, then you begin to work daily on that area, just a step at a time, step by step, as we sang this morning. Step by step, growing just a little closer, getting just a little better. And having some friends around you, maybe your spouse, maybe someone you can trust to help hold you accountable. And get organized and get control of certain things in your life, one step at a time. I've already said this one, but we're going to go ahead and list it anyway. Start 
now. John Hancock Field said this, All worthwhile men have a good thought, good ideas, good intentions, but precious few of them ever translate those into action. How many of you uh, like to sing in the shower? I do. How many of you have been yelled at for singing in the shower? How many of you have ever had a great idea in the shower? How how many times have you had those great ideas and not put them into into action? I want you to know the Lord's going to give you ideas. We need to pray over them and we need to move on them sometimes. We need to translate into action. Don't walk away from here today and say, man, that thing on self-discipline was great. I'll start working on it in a couple weeks. How many of you have have waited until New Year's resolution to start to turn your life around? Don't do that. We don't need a new year. Start right now. I started my my, uh, five or six years ago when I started Weight Watchers on losing weight. I started on like December 27th. And Elizabeth said, why not just start after the first of the year? I said, because I'll eat like a pig and I'll have to lose that weight too. (laughs) So why not go ahead and just start now? Why not get a hold of your language? Why not get a hold of your anger today? And let me tell you something. If I can encourage you just for a minute, you can't do it without the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are going to be struggling the rest of your life. The rest of your life is going to be a struggle. It is Jesus Christ who gives you power over sin. It is what he did on the cross for our lives that he gives us the power to overcome Satan. If not, you're going to be falling short of Satan the rest of your life. And by the way, don't wait until that great judgment day to find out if there's a heaven or a hell. There is a hell and there is a heaven. That decision needs to be made now. Now. Husbands and wives, if you're not committed to each other, make that decision now. If you're wavering on your commitment, commit. Commit to the Lord. Commit to each other. Commit to your job. Commit to your church. Let's go. Start now. Start now. Don't wait. The best time to to get self-control of your life is today, not tomorrow. It blows my mind to hear people say that someday they're going to do something. We have dreams, but we never accomplish them. We procrastinate. I hate that word. Start now. Start now. Let me give you some characteristics of self-disciplined people. What do they look like? What do self-disciplined people look like? Number one, church, this is a biggie. They accept responsibility. Show me somebody who is disciplined in their life. I will show you a person who has already understood that they are the greatest problem in their own life. And they accept responsibility. What responsibility? What are some responsibility requirements? A, be responsible for who you are. You know what that means? Own it. When you've messed up, own it. Look at yourself right now and what you are. I want to tell you, you didn't get there by accident. We are today what we decided yesterday. And we will be tomorrow what we decide today. I recently read about a a psychologist who did a a survey of prison inmates. Like 600 of them, he talked to them. And he said that not one of them said 
that they were guilty. He said, I found the most innocent people on God's earth in prison. You know what the problem is? They haven't taken responsibility for themselves. And the the sad thing is, you don't just find that in prison. You find that every day with adults. Amazing how many people are not taking responsibility for who they are, for what they are, or what's happening in their life. As I've said before, and as you hear so many times, we live in a victimized society. And you look around to find who we can blame for why we're where we are. And it's very seldom our fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Now just for a moment, just ask the Lord, am I one of those who blames people? You know, if you watch the news, you see that people kill people. It used to be when you uh, killed someone, you were tried for murder. But now what they do is they go and get therapists and look at your traumatic background. And they got to understand what you've been through and people get off. Talk to adults. They don't seem to have their act together. Blaming their parents. Let me tell you, I'm 41 years old and there are people around me that I've heard that still are blaming their parents for where they are. Stop blaming your parents. They did the best job that they could. But now it's on you. Now you have responsibility. Take it. Take the bull by the horns. You can't even get saved or develop a relationship with God until you admit, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I've done wrong. I'm guilty. I'm the one to blame. I'm the one who deserves hell. I'm the one who deserves death. I'm the guy. It's me. It's amazing how hard it is for someone to say, I was wrong. You would be surprised how people will react to you when you say, I was wrong. It can melt the the hardest heart when you say to someone, I've messed up, will you forgive me? If you got a bad attitude, it's because you chose to have a bad attitude. If you got a stinking attitude, fix it. I get, I get to choose whether or not you make me mad. You may try to make me mad, but I get to choose whether or not I get mad. Have you ever noticed that? You made me mad. No, you didn't. You chose to be mad. You really made me mad. No, I chose to be mad at what you just said. Be responsible for yourself. What else about responsibility? Be responsible for what you can do. We're not only responsible for who we are, we're responsible for our, for our own potential. I am, you are. God gave me certain gifts, abilities, talents, opportunities, privileges. And I am to be, I'm the person that God intended and created to become. And so are you. Reach your potential. Reach your potential. God didn't create you and me to live on easy street and to live in retirement and lay back. He created us to reach our potential. He created us to reach our potential. Are you reaching your potential? 
What else about responsibility? You're responsible for what you have received. People that are self-disciplined are responsible for not only who they are and what they've become, but also the blessings that God has given you at this moment. They don't just live off the land and blessings. They understand that those blessings are given to them so that they can pass them on to others. What has God blessed you with? You're responsible for that. What have you received? All right, number two. Self-disciplined people. They welcome accountability. Plato said, the unexamined life is not worth living. You show me a person that's self-disciplined, I will show you a person that welcomes accountability, welcomes others coming in and examining their life. Now, I've put four questions that John Wesley asked in his weekly classes. John Wesley, a real founder of the Christian faith. Wasn't the founder of the Christian faith. Jesus Christ was the founder of the Christian faith, but has had a big part in church development. John Wesley wrote these four questions that he would read to his uh, weekly class. I would encourage you to just ask these questions to yourself as you go through the day. What known sins have I committed since we last met? If there is something, what, what should we do about it? What temptations have you faced? How were you delivered from these temptations, or have you been? And what have you thought, said, or done of which you are uncertain whether or not it was a sin or not? You know, what's it doing? It's taking an account of what you're walking through, what you're seeing, what you're thinking, what you're letting in, what you're letting out. How important it is that we take account of our life, that we are accountable. Number three. Characteristics of self-disciplined people, they develop integrity. They did a survey of 1,300 senior executives. Now, any of you kids, younger people, uh, older people looking for jobs, people in the job market, asked 1,300 senior executives in America, asking them what was their most important characteristic in a person. And out of 17 options, they had 17 different options, integrity was chosen 76% as the top quality to have. Integrity. And in order to have integrity, we've got to demonstrate it in a number of ways. We've got five ways that I like to demonstrate integrity. Now, sometimes we mess up. Now, you know, I'm sitting here thinking of all the potential that we have and potential under control. If you've been coming for the last few weeks, we have seen where God doesn't want to change your personality. He wants to get your personality and your traits under his control. You were made like you were made for a reason. I was made like I was made for a reason, not so that I could get older and have to be changed, but so that I could get underneath the the power of the creator and him to be able to release in me what I was really created to do. Now, you players, you know, you come from high school, probably the studs of high school, scoring tons of points, getting tons of rebounds, man, just being the the pride of your town. And then you come to college, a pretty good-sized college, like an OVC college, and you got a coach who does things everything different. No longer are you the stud anymore. Now we've got to come under a new system. It's coming under authority, and either you come under that authority or you can go find something else to do. Nobody's making you be here. You know, know, in your job, nobody's making you be at that job. 
But if you can see that God has made you a certain way and he's put people in your life in order to get you under his control so that your complete potential can be released. Now, just like people in jobs, just like players, because I was a player also, you got coaches and you think the coach is against you. He doesn't want to play me, he doesn't like me anymore. I wore something funny, I said something funny, I looked at his kid funny, I, I did this stupid, I, I've messed up and now he doesn't like me anymore and he's not going to play me anymore. Nope, God's word says that your gift will make room for you. Your gift is going to get you where you're going. What God, is, what God has equipped you with, church, what God has equipped you with, your gift is going to make room for you. The problem is we've got to get under the authority of, of the Lord. We've been trying to live our life with this gift outside of God's authority, and it's not working. You're frustrated in every area. Same thing in marriage. We get outside of the authority of God, outside of the covering of God, and we want God to bless our marriage. God says, I will get back under my umbrella. great thing about a, about a great coach is if you play great, if you've got great grades, if you have a great attitude, he is going to play you. It is his desire to see you do great. You know, if you do great, he does great. It is God's desire to see you successful in your marriage, in your finances, in your life, in your church. God is such a good God. He is for you. He is for you. Somebody say amen. amen. How do we develop integrity? Watch this. I will live what I teach. That is not always easy to do. How many times have you given some recommendation to a friend and then you turn around and get tested on it and you fall down? It happens. But it's important that what we speak, we try to walk out. That leads me to my second one. I will do what I say. You know, I've decided, if, if I've decided to be the right person, no matter what I do in my life, I'll be successful. I think sometimes when we were asked as a kid, we said, what are we going to do in our, well, what do you want to be? And we, we think a career, but I think we kind of get that out of, out of order. Instead of saying, what is our career going to be? What kind of person are you going to be? Because if you be the right person, the career will, will find itself. But no matter how great you are in career, if the person's not right, you're going to fall. Character comes before career. I will do what I say. Let's add another one. I will be honest with others. Guys, I want to tell you, lying will not get you anywhere. Be honest. Be a man of your word. Be a woman of your word. People of integrity, I will put what is best for others ahead of what is best for me. Important leadership principle. The higher you go, the fewer options you're going to have. Have you ever noticed that you think the higher you go on the ladder, the more options you're going to have? Nope, it gets tighter and tighter. And then finally, I will be transparent and vulnerable. What does that mean? That means I'm going to let the Lord change me. You know, players, as y'all come under a coach, the coach wants to change you. Might even want you to go from playing a four to a five or going from a one to a two or playing this type of offense when you're used to another type of offense, playing this kind of defense when you're used to another kind of defense. Let me tell you, he's in that position because, because he's a man of integrity. He has studied, he has worked hard, and he is best equipped for you at this day. That's what God says. God places all of our authority in place for us for our benefit. 
That person that's over you right now, God is placed there. But it's so important to recognize our authority, to come under that authority, and to get control of yourself. How many of you have ever seen an adult throw a fit? It is not a pretty sight. You know what? At some point, we've got to grow up. At some point, we've got to take accountability. We've got to take responsibility for who we are. And can I tell you who you are? If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a king's kid. And you are an heir, H-E-I-R, an heir of Christ. You are lined up for blessing. But you know what? If you are a Christ follower, it means we follow Christ. I have been so burdened this week on just these two words. Seek righteousness. How do I seek righteousness? You know what that means? It it says in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. As a child of God, part of my responsibility as a Christian is to follow God's ways, to learn what he wants from me and to try my best to walk that out. And when I don't, when I mess up, I get up, I take accountability, I take responsibility for what I've done, I give it back to God and I say, God, I blew this, forgive me, wash me clean, and I'm going to get back up and try it again. How many of you know if you missed one shot and you never shot again because of that one shot you missed, you'd never be a great player? you got to keep shooting. How many of you know shooters got to shoot? And sometimes you go cold. Sometimes you try something in the workplace and it fails, and you try it again and it fails. But let me tell you, shooters have got to shoot. I kind of cracked my voice right then. Church, as a child of God, you're a shooter. You're a score for Christ. And you got to shoot Get up, take responsibility, and start now and get control of yourself. Quit throwing fits at Walmart. You ever seen a kid throw a fit at Walmart? Man, that's what a good parent will do is help that child get control of himself. It's what the Lord does. He will help you get control of yourself. Now, if y'all don't mind, I... I'm done. Let's just bow our heads. And I just want to pray for you. And I just want to ask you a question. Self-control is one of the hardest things in our, in our walk. It's that battle between the flesh and the spirit. But I want you to know you cannot do it without the power of Christ. You cannot do it on your own. But I just want to ask you a real basic question. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And why? And if your answer would be, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. You know what, that's great. But it won't get you to heaven. You may say, I I have gotten along with my friends. I've not drank. I've not done a bunch of stupid stuff. And you know what, that's great. But it will not get you to heaven. Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And the only way is to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. 
Do you know that he's preparing a place for you? That he died on the cross for you, knowing everything that you would ever do. And you may be sitting there today saying, but you don't know what I've done. What I've done is too bad. I want you to know, it's not too bad. Jesus paid the price for what you've done. He has paid the price for you. For you. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? You know, you've tried it every which way that you know to to make it, and you know what? You just can't seem to get any freedom in your mind. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Would you make a commitment to Christ today? With nobody looking around, I just want to give that opportunity at this time. Say, Pastor, that's me. It says in Scripture that if I will confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead, I will be saved. Have you ever confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that he was raised from the dead? Say, Pastor, I want to make that commitment today. Would you just slip your hand up? Just say, I want to receive Jesus today. I see that hand. Anybody else? I want to receive Jesus today. I want to receive Jesus today. I see that hand. Amen. We're going to pray. I want everybody to pray together. And maybe you didn't want to raise your hand. Maybe you're just a little embarrassed and that's okay. But let's just pray together. This prayer of salvation, just say, Lord Jesus... I want you to pray it with me if you don't mind. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have made mistakes. And I'm sorry. Lord Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all look up here at me. If you made that decision today for the first time, let me tell you, all of heaven is rejoicing. It says they throw a party even when just one gives their heart to the Lord. A couple of you raised your hands today. I want you to know it is a great day. Praise God that your name is, is not blotted out. It is written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased. But that's just where it starts. You need to get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one today. You need to get in a small group. You need to get in a Sunday school class. You need to start to learn what it means to follow Christ. And I want you to know your days ahead are great. God is a good God. Now, will you all stand up with me? Those that are ministering with me, come on down. We want to pray with you this morning. If you've got a prayer need, a health need, maybe a financial need or a marital need, whatever you've got going on in your life, we want to pray with you. I'm just going to open up the altar for prayer for just a few moments, and then we'll dismiss.